everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and we're back with a brand new episode, and I'll be honest, it's not one that I had planned until about, uh, roughly 35 seconds ago. Uh, sorry for the cough. Um, I've been sick for about a week and a half. Um, I'm finally, finally on the mend. Um, and while I was sick, I ended up uh going through a, a couple different things uh some of these i shared on radio arcade in a recently recorded episode um i listened to uh, my chemical romances welcome uh sorry the black parade album cover to cover probably like five or six times um i've been on such a tremendous iron maiden kick and they are amazing um and then on top of that I also started revisiting um, a horror franchise that really got me into horror, um, and it's one of the few that I still enjoy, and I sat down and watched the latest entry into the Scream franchise, Scream 6. Uh, so in case that uh, the title of Let's Talk About Scream 6 didn't give it away, we're talking about Scream 6, and uh, as usual, spoilers inbound. Um, so I'll try to keep it spoiler-free for a little bit, but then when I get to a section, I'm going to uh, talk spoilers with the movie, because um, it does uh, it does tie into some of my issues with the movie. I really enjoyed it, but it, it's not overall perfect. Um but it's still really, really solid. Um, today might be a little bit of a shorter episode because I'm recording this impromptuly before I head out. Um, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, so to go off in non-spoiler territory, overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it was very different from the, the other Screams. Um, even though the third movie took place... Um, in Los Angeles, it was still, in a way, claustrophobic. Um, it would be kept to houses, like, even though they were upscale houses, um, it was still like, oh, we're off in small town sections. Um, and that's something that's been ingrained in Scream from the beginning. The original took place in the fictional town of Woodsboro, and it's a small town. Uh, the second one was on a college campus, but still isolated. Pretty, pretty small towny. Um, third one, even though it was Los Angeles, they still found ways to keep it small. And I get it. It's, it's to amp up the tension. Um... But still, the fourth and fifth ones then took place back in Woodsboro. Um, the fifth movie, which launched the uh, the new series of films, um, even though it's they're, they're carrying on the story from the original ones, um, it was back in Woodsboro. So this one, Scream 6, ticks, takes place in New York. Now, it was filmed in Montreal, so that explains why you can't do certain things in New York, uh, like visit certain iconic local locales um but they they do a good job of it in montreal and the new setting was actually really really interesting and that's the thing that got me in a way the most excited for for the movie like hey we're going to the big apple which is um not always a good move for horror. Um when you go when Jason took Manhattan it wasn't good. Um 
when Leprechaun went back to Da Hood, I'm pretty sure Da Hood was in New York and it didn't fare too well. Um, but this did a good translation of it. Um, it didn't necessarily need to be New York, but I think it worked. They captured a bit of the big city flavor. And when you think big cities, New York is one of the ones that springs to the top of the mind. Um, and this new setting, they got really, really inventive. Uh, in the trailer, you see, like, hey, this ghost face is a bit different. Um, you're seeing ghost face using a shotgun, uh, killing people in front of each other, and not just one or two. Like, he takes down people in a bodega. Um, and then when the guy tries, when the owner tries to save him with a shotgun, uh, Ghostface precisely takes takes the dude down and then uses the shotgun on him. Uh, so this was a bit different. We got kills on a subway that were really, really interesting. Because the idea with all these is like, oh, it's in a small town, so it's going to be scarier. So when you're in the big city, it's safer in numbers. Anybody who's lived in a big city knows that's not always the case. But they still used it well, and they, they amped up the tension, and there was a bit of inventiveness. Instead of seeing Ghostface running through uh, a home up some stairs, it's like the cramped claustrophobia of an apartment. Uh, so you're getting stuff that you don't always get outside of, say, like Scream 3, where Ghostface bursts into a room of people and attacks a bunch of people. Simul uh, one after the other, instead of just picking them off one at a time. Um, the cast, for the most part, was really, really good. And that does tie in with a criticism I have with this movie and the, and the fifth movie, um, which is... I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it in the spoiler section. Um, it's something I'd like to see changed uh, when... If the franchise goes on, which I have no doubt it will, because they're making money, um, and the fans don't hate the last two, so that's a good recipe uh, for a studio to be like, all right, yeah, as long as they're making money and people aren't that pissed off, let's keep going. Um, it was it was different enough. There were some new things. It's not the thing is it's not always going to be an original movie. I mean, let's call a spade a uh, let's call a spade a spade here. We're in the fifth sequel, the sixth overall film in a slasher franchise. The fact that these are still doing good is pretty dang impressive. Uh, the sixth movie in any franchise is often rarely going to be considered the best one. And I've, a lot of people, could be recency bias, have been ranking Scream 6 amongst the best of the sequels. Um... That's not the case for so many other franchises that reach six, but especially in horror, especially in the slasher franchise, the uh, slasher franchises, slashers uh, are easily become schlocky. Um, Scream hasn't ventured into schlock and Scream 6 definitely doesn't get there. So the fact that it's even being seen positively is is a testament to its quality in and of itself. But it's also something that I think people need to keep in mind with this. Like, look, you're in a genre that does not breed sequels very well or of good quality, especially the further you get. Um, 
So I saw a number of people thinking like, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing since the original. The original Scream stands above and beyond by itself. Um, it is... And it's something that I think the franchise itself has become aware of. It used to call out the tropes that it's fallen into, but it still does it in a way where it's not as maddingly, madding, maddening, there we go, I can words, or frustrating as it could be. Um, it at least makes sense of why it's falling into some of these tropes, and you can, you can buy the people's terror enough where... There, you can buy the stakes and the terror enough that you're like, okay, the people that would call out, like running up the stairs instead of out the front door, it's like, okay, no, you're scared, you're scared crapless. Yep, I get why you're running up the stairs instead of out the front door. Um, it had returning, uh, returning characters. Um, Courtney Cox was back as Gail Weathers, um, and Hayden, uh, Hayden. Pentriette, I, I butchered her last name, but she was Kirby in Scream 4, Thought Dead. She's back in this one, and it she was a welcome addition. It was really cool to have her back. Um, it's nice to see other characters that aren't just Sydney and Gale uh, returning to the franchise. Uh, Scream 5 did it great with bringing back Judy Hicks, as well as Randy's sister, Um it was. It's nice to see it be a bit more fleshed out. So having Kirby come back is great, and Hayden was excellent in the in Scream Four. She was great in Scream Five. Uh, sorry, in Scream Six, and I'd I'd enjoy seeing her again. Um, whether or not she's killed off or not, if it makes sense in the story, sure. Uh, but she's a she's a resource for this franchise, and it was it was really cool to see her back. Um. The elephant in the room with this is it's the first Scream movie without Nev Campbell at all. Uh, Scream 3, Nev was in it for, I believe, the least amount of time uh, she was in any of the movies. But because her filming schedule had picked up, they had to plan around it. So it was less of a Sydney-focused story, um, even though hers was the A plot. Um, this does not have Nev Campbell in at all. She felt she was uh, being lowballed, um, and it wasn't worth what she's worth or what she's brought to the franchise. Um, so it was a, an issue about money. Um, after watching the movie, in a way... I'm glad she wasn't there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Nev Campbell's performances as Sydney have always been great. I think she does the character really, really well, and it's a good character. But it's the other issue you, you run into with long-running franchises, especially long-running slasher franchises. At some point, it's not believable that this character keeps living. <laughs> like we've had... Uh, by the end of this movie... Let's see. Uh, two, four, six. Yeah. Yeah, two, four, six. Eight. We've, uh, before this movie, we had nine ghost faces. We've had nine ghost faces. Nine people over four movies, five movies, have failed to kill one person. It's, it's... It's difficult to buy the stakes when they when all the characters keep living through it. And you could argue that's an issue with this movie, but I also get where they're, where they're what their hope was and it does add it's going to add to the impact. Um because realistically, there hasn't been a, there 
to a lot of people, myself included, as much as I've enjoyed these movies, there hasn't been a big impactful death in the screen franchise um, up until five since Randy um, died in Scream 2. So it's it's tricky where it's like you want to get attached to characters, but also if everybody lives throughout the whole movie, then that doesn't feel like there's any stakes. Um, so it gets it gets a little bit tricky. Um I didn't necessarily feel Sydney's absence here. Um, and in a way, I thought it helped the movie stand on its own much more without it being like, hey, we gotta we gotta bring it back. I, I'd be fine if Gail's not back. Um, she could have died in this movie. We know she didn't, but I'm not sure what more there is for her character to do. And that's where I'm at with the Sydney character. I'm not sure what else uh, what else that character needs to be put through. I'd be fine if she just gets a happy ending. Um Okay, so now we're going to we're going to get into spoiler territory. Um and this is also going to have spoilers for uh last year's scream five um which was annoyingly titled scream and they didn't even do the v in the m like they did with this where it was the m and the uh, the v part of the m and the last one for the six i'm like dang it it's right there you could have easily done it anyways um so within scream six i think it took the lessons it uh the things learned from scream five and it's made it better it's it's a i've rewatched five recently um some of the issues i have with five i have with six but i find six to be an overall better movie um six really got to focus on what they called in the movie the core four um the new characters that they introduced and this one i actually liked the characters i actually felt something for the characters um it's partially because they succeeded through five, but five was trying to balance like, hey, we're setting up, but we got to have the old triumvirate characters back of Dewey, Gale and Sid. And yes, in that movie, Dewey died. And that was a hugely impactful death and might be the best performance in any Scream movie. David Arquette was fantastic in Scream 5. Um But it didn't get to balance out as well. So the new characters didn't get as well developed so at times i'm like i don't buy these people as friends they're just they're just dicks they're just really awful to each other and not in that way that friends can be awful to each other but you still know it's out of friendship <laughs> i didn't i didn't buy their friendship whereas in this it was there in spades um all the characters got a likable moment um and it was a really good follow-up to Scream 5. Um, Sam, the main character, um, like, it, you could have had some interesting commentary on cancel culture, where in this movie, as she's in New York, she's being accosted by, uh, like, drinks thrown on her um, and sworn at from people in the street because the rumor got around online that, hey, she was the actual killer in Scream 5 and she framed Richie and everybody and uh, Amber. So that was a interesting story facet going in this. Um, the movie opened very differently. It opened with a ghost face kill in an alley, uh, but then the ghost face took off the mask right away. So automatically it's standing out. We've never seen that in any of the screen movies. Then you just follow 
home this guy who just committed murder um as he bumps in, into people including tara the surviving younger sister from scream five uh just having casual conversations with people going about his day right after committing murder uh he gets to his apartment he goes to he's talking to his roommate over the phone or who he thinks is his roommate and then you slowly figure out he's getting suspicious it's an awkward conversation but it's played for tension and played really well um and then this ghost face like he's he's talking about their plan he opens the fridge finds his roommate and accomplice dismembered in the fridge uh and then the other ghost face the one who's primarily in the trailer with the dirty mask um he kills this guy so a killer's killed right off the bat um and it does stand out as different a bit um sam's in therapy the therapist i've seen some people online take issue with him but at one point she confesses like it felt good killing the richie the killer from scream five it felt right so then the guy's like i gotta tip off the cops to this <laughs> then the therapist is later killed um you're meeting out the new the new cast of characters i really think the new characters they introduced in scream six stand out more than the other characters with the exception of wes they introduced in scream five um I don't find the Scream 5 setup characters nearly as memorable, um, but it had a lot of work to do. It was like, hey, no, we're even though we're not Wes Craven, we're going to pay homage to West while still going forward and all that. So this Scream 6 really got to be its own thing. Um, the new characters they set up, there's a likability to all of them, or some of them are so bland that they're like, I can't be suspicious of you because of how milk toast boring you are. Um, and then they're bringing back Kirby and Gale. Of course, Gale is scarred from uh, Dewey's death in the last film. Um, also, the sisters take issue with Gale because Gale was like, I'm never going to publish a book about this. And of course she did. Um, so you get that scene from a, a nice homage to the Sydney punching Gale from Scream 1 and Scream 2, where Sam goes to punch Gale, Gale sidesteps it, and she's like, I've learned from them, and then Tara punches her in the face, and it's funny. Um, it's a good movie. It's overall enjoyable. Uh, it has it has a great emotional kill, an absolutely great emotional kill, with a character that they've only introduced in this movie. Uh, so that's a testament to how well the new writing team and and directors handle crafting the tension um so at one point ghostface uh they're thinking they're they they think they hear their uh roommate having relations with someone uh but then they get a text from uh sam's boyfriend across the hall or across the apartments um that with a picture of Ghostface like showing up to stab somebody uh and then their roommates thrown through the door dead um and the Ghostface comes in and stabs one person stabs another stabs him in the gut and turns the knife like the the violence is a bit brutal but it's not overly gory either um and the person they stab is is Annika uh, Mindy's girlfriend and then 
two people were able to run out of the apartment. The other three are trapped in there. There's ramping up of the tension there, but then to escape because they're in, uh, they're in, I think it's Mindy's bedroom. It's, uh, getting one thing, uh, getting the dresser against the door, then leaning on it. Um, then crawling across a ladder across a gap. And this lasts for, for a couple minutes. And it's that tension of like, Hey, they're, they're going across this unsturdy thing. Ghostface is trying to break in. Two people have been cut and stabbed. So they're bleeding. Um, and for me, it's the highlight kill of the movie. Cause it is a bit of a gut punch. Um, the final person is the new character going over, uh, Annika. Um, she's been stabbed in the gut like harshly and she's like holding stuff in. She's crawling across the ladder and then Ghostface finally gets in, uh, finally gets into the room. And then instead of he, he, you see him stab it into the wood of the window frame. And then he starts jostling and shaking the ladder. And then the girl just, breaks down and the the performer does a really good job because she's not overacting um she's like mindy i i like she's pleading like mindy no i don't want to die i don't want to die and it's so many other times in these movies when someone's getting stabbed or about to get killed it's the ah ah no and this is there's a real human element to it um and then she's jostled off the ladder she's like five stories up she falls and her head hits the side of a dumpster and you see the effect and it's brutal and it's also implied like a neck snap in there it's just it's it's harsh it's guttural and it's it made you feel something, um, which is another good testament to how well they're handling this movie, because something that happens within horror movies, at times you're you're not rooting for the characters to make it out. You want to see how inventive the kill is going to be. You want to see. We were talking about it, like the artistry of it, because when you think about it in real life, like, no, that's horrible, but it's a film. So there's a film craft. So you, you're curious about what the inventiveness is going to be. How is it going to be different from something we've seen uh, plenty of times in five other movies? Um, so that part, that part kind of stood out. This movie also had a lot of references back to the original ones. Um, you find out like uh, Richie from the last one had basically made a shrine to to Ghostface and Stab. So he had props and elements from the actual things. All the masks from the OG, from the original killers. Uh, they even give Roman from Scream 3 some props, which is kind of nice because Scream 3 is not that well liked in the community. Um, and it was it was interesting to see that. And it's like this love letter from these writers and this writer and director team who clearly has a deep passionate for deep passion for this franchise. And they're getting to write it into the movie. And so if you're a longtime Scream fan, there's a lot of stuff there and Easter eggs and references and stuff where you're like, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, so this is where it kind of falls apart for me a little bit. Not uh, it falls apart is too harsh. But what I found with Scream 5 and then again in Scream 6 is the characterization of Ghostface and the brutality of Ghostface and Ghostface in the mask is fantastic and tense and terrifying and brutal. Um like he's 
the original movies, it was cool because you could tell it was a person because they were clumsy. They'd slip. They'd fall. Um, if they ran too fast, they'd overshoot. Um, but in this one, especially because one of the killers is has some professional training, um, they're efficient. They're brutal. They're harsh. Um, they're, the violence is is amped up to a degree, um, but not like saw-like or anything gross. Um, so that part's really good. But the thing I find with these guys is post-reveal, when you find out who the killers are, I don't think they're doing a good enough job reining the, the actors in. So I can't think of a bad performance from anybody who played Ghostface in one through four. Uh, post-reveal. Like, there's always the issue of they're bar- they're smart and brilliant uh, pre-reveal, but then it's almost like when they get to post-reveal, uh, the arrogance is out, and then they're, they're full they're full nut bar uh, fruity pebbles, like, off the rocker. Like, the things that they did earlier where they didn't make the mistakes they're now making. Um, but the performances, yes, you could say were heightened, but they, they never got into campy or or hammy territory. Um, you saw a bit of that in Screams, Scream 5, but especially in Scream 6. Uh, so it had the interesting thing of, yes, it was another family of killers, and this one, the killers, you actually find out there are three. Technically, Scream 5 had five killers because there was the guy at the beginning uh he had an accomplice so he was going to be a ghost face uh but they were killed uh but then you get this great scene in the theater um in this ghost face shrine theater where you actually see two ghost faces on in the mask on screen at the same time um and chad gets stabbed like 20 times somehow he lives that's the other thing um, that's another fair enough complaint, but it's one I get because now it's like you have this attachment to Chad and Mindy and Chad and Tara started having feelings for each other in this movie. So like, hey, if they die or when they die in the next movie or the one after, it will have a bit more of an impact. But also Chad did get stabbed like, I don't know, 15 to 20 times. Um, it was an impressive visual, but him basically sitting up and giving a thumbs up off a stroller at the of a gurney stroller whatever you want to call it at the end was it's a little bit weird uh strains the believability a little bit especially because i've watched um i've watched five four and three and in the earlier movies you at points had people dying off of one step (laughs) In five, Chad got stabbed like seven times, and in this, he got stabbed like fifteen times. Somehow, this guy's still going. Um, but he's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son, so maybe it's it's the Gooding genes. Um, so aside from that, where it's like, yeah, it's amped up, the brutality is amped up, but then if people aren't dying as much, it doesn't have that. That that can be a nitpick, but you got Dermont Mulroney who can be a really good actor, who can't, he can, he can be a really, really good actor. Um, he's, 
you find out like the the two ghost faces are Richie's um brother and sister who one was Quinn the roommate who was evidently killed earlier in the movie and then the other one is Ethan who uh was her brother they didn't know and he was the boring milk uh milk and toast character who was so plain that you couldn't suspect him almost um and then Dermot Mulroney uh, the police officer detective they've been working with throughout the movie. So then you're like, okay, that makes sense. The ghost face so brutally efficient. He's had police training. He's had tactical training. Um, but once you got to the reveal, everybody started getting hammy and they didn't, uh, any, anyone who was the killer started playing it too big and they didn't rein them in enough. And for me, that, that took me out of it. it. Any tension that was there was like, I'm thrown off because of the performances here. Everybody else is doing a really good job. Like Sam's doing a heightened one. She's also tapping into that. Like, is she going to become a killer? Cause she's Billy Loomis's daughter. Um, and like having some chilling and cold lines and really good facial expressions. Um, but everybody else is kind of amping it up and it's, it's hammy. Uh, uh, and it makes it hard to take uh, a comparison I'd make is E McDermott playing uh, Palpatine in any other movie except revenge of the Sith. He's reined in a bit. Revenge of the Sith, his voice at points was all over the place. His facial expressions got really weird. And it, it took you out. He's he's fantastic as Palpatine, but there's bad moments of performance in that. Even in the much maligned Rise of Skywalker, his performance as Palpatine is fantastic. Um, you're not getting good, good, or sticking your tongue out, weird face, uh, like just hammy. Um Unfortunately, all three killers post-reveal start being E. McDermott in sections of Revenge of the Sith. And it's quite hammy and it's like, no, no. And just, I don't know what or if the if they felt it was fine in the moment of it. But especially after watching some of the earlier movies where you're like, yep, this could go incredibly hammy and seeing how Wes Craven somehow navigated that where you're like, no, I still buy the tension, even though this is getting ridiculous. Um, I still buy the character and the performer and I'm actually in the scene and not being taken out of it. That's something that this team needs to work on. Uh, it's because up until that point, I think the movie's firing on all cylinders. Not that it takes me out, uh, like ruins the movie for me. It doesn't. It just... I'm in and then I'm a bit separated from it. So it takes me out a bit. Um, and the performance, especially with Dermont, is not laughably bad, but it's not good. It's not good. Uh, and then when that's bad, you're like, why are you reacting this way? Like, I can't... It, if your acting's not selling me on your character's motivations, like your your facial expressions, your vocal inclinations aren't tell aren't informing me why you're now doing the dumb things that you're doing, um, I'm I don't have a justification, and my suspension of disbelief is gone. Now I'm like, no, this is so stupid. Why you've got a gun and you're just running at her, and she's running at you? Like, dude, you, you you've been trained as a police officer. <laughs> you know, you know how to shoot. Um, but it's like not even good unhinged it's just hammy 
So aside from that, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't call that part out. Aside from that and the nitpick of Super Chad, Scream 6 is overall a really, really good movie. Um, I might do another episode down the line looking at the franchise as a whole. Uh, I'm a bit more of a defender of Scream 3. Um, weirdly enough, I... I even though it's not my favorite of the original three, um, just like Dark Knight Rises isn't my favorite of the, of the three Nolan Batman films, um, it does share some of the Dark Knight Rises strengths and that it's a really good, story-wise, it's really good as a trilogy capper. Um, it's really good as a final chapter of a trilogy. Um, so I might at some point do a, a further Scream episode and rank the films and all that, but I just kind of wanted to talk about Scream 6 um, before I do other disasters or Star Wars stuff or anything like that, and I felt like doing an episode today because, well, why not? Uh, and I don't do horror that much, so hopefully this uh, change of pace was interesting for you. Um, anyways, if you've screen seen Scream 6, let me know your thoughts. Um, I'd love to hear them. If you haven't, I would recommend it. It's an enjoyable film. Is it perfect? No. Is it as good as the original? No. Is it a really good sequel? Yes. Is it better than it has any right to be as the sixth film in a slasher franchise? Oh my gosh, yes. Because honestly, I can't think of a sixth film in a, a slasher franchise where it'd be like, oh yeah, this is just as good. Um, Friday the 13th Part 6 was alright, but not as good as Scream 6. Halloween 6, no matter the cut, is awful. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 6, not really good. Uh, Chucky, I know, got to 6, but no. Leprechaun, no. You get what I'm going for here. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Uh, hope if you're in Canada with me, you had a great Monday off last week. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care and God bless my friends. Peace.